Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland, eDiscovery attorney, and with Jessica Meterson, we form the Legal Geeks. Thank you for joining us for our special 4th of July podcast with none other than Judge John Fasciola from Washington, D.C. The judge is a leader in electronic discovery, has many thoughtful opinions, and inadvertently helped create the Legal Geeks with his Tideon v. Greyhound decision where he had a line about there's a it's high noon and there's a new sheriff in town, which prompted me to write a blog post, which is how Jessica and I then met and started our... <laughs> that sounds questionable, but yes, I was impressed by your use of toys in your blog post, and that was a great line to reference. <laughs> so with that, Your Honor, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. We're here to talk about the 4th of July, and I'll turn it over to Jessica. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Your Honor, for joining us. Uh, we certainly appreciate this, and I'd forgotten about uh, the role you played in forming the Legal Geek, so thank you for that as well. Um, <laughs> turning to the 4th of July, I have to ask you, from a judicial perspective, is there some significance to the Declaration of Independence that you, know, you see, or is it... Um, is there something above and beyond, I guess, that of the ordinary citizen when you think of the Declaration of Independence and uh, the courts? Yeah, uh, several things. I'm reading right now the biography of Hamilton by mm -hmm. Chernow. And, you know, we Americans forget just how long the Revolutionary War went on and how many people died. And we also forget that the men who signed the Declaration of Independence were signing a death warrant. That is, had they been arrested and the war been unsuccessful, there is little doubt in my mind they all would have been hanged. There's an interesting study afterwards. Of course, we recognize uh, the founders who did well, but we forget there were many people who signed that declaration who did not profit by it and lost much, either during the course of the war or after it. Uh, Justice Douglas used to say, we take our liberties for granted. We forget how much blood they cost. So I think a thought for all Americans on uh, the 4th of July should be to recall just how much blood it has cost us to be who we are. So true. And I'm, I'm a fan of John Adams and you know, the David McCullough book and also the one on uh, 1776 that he wrote. Yeah. That, that They're both was, excellent. It's it just wonderful uh, to, you know, I, I have a bust of John Adams on my desk as a reminder of resolution and work hard and, and one of John Quincy. But when we think of, you know, the opening line of the Declaration and, and all that it means, uh, how do you see the courts upholding the spirit of the Declaration, you know, in, in forming the United States? Well, on Saturday, as you may have seen in the newspapers, I arraigned the gentleman who's come here uh, accused of conspiracy in the Benghazi bombing. And what I saw that day was everything that I think the founders had in mind. Um, here was a man, you know, brought into our country who had killed four of our, at least alleged, was alleged to have killed four of our fellow Americans. But he was treated with decency and respect. He was appointed an attorney at public expense. He was advised of his constitutional rights and how they would be preserved at all costs. Uh, it was as a good a way to celebrate the 4th of July as that I can think of, since the whole point of the exercise was to show that we are a free people and we are free courts. 
And those courts are not dependent on anybody's political will or anything other than the considerations of justice. So it was, it was a very ennobling thing to see. I live about a mile from Mount Vernon on the river, as you know. And on uh, the 4th of July, there will be um, a lot of fun out there. But in the middle of the day, one of the judges from the Eastern District of Virginia will swear in 100 of our newest citizens. To do that on George Washington's lawn is a nice way to celebrate the 4th. But I think the Founding Fathers would have been very proud of Saturday. It is was exactly had they had mine. Um, obviously, in the Declaration, it is specified uh, that the king has violated their fundamental rights to due process by, for example, dragging them away from American courts to be tried in the admiralty courts where there was no jury. Uh, the jury trial is, of course, the only right I'm aware of that is mentioned in both um, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And it just shows how crucial um, to the Founding Fathers was the relationship between the courts and the freedom that they were creating by that document. Wow, that is great. And I do like kind of the two uh, what ends of the spectrum that you benchmark there. One, um, obviously the arraignment of somebody who killed Americans or who allegedly killed American citizens. And then also the great visual of uh, swearing in new citizens right there at Mount Vernon. Um, I mean, I think it's already obvious, but to the extent you haven't already covered it, I mean, what does Independence Day and the Declaration of Independence mean to you personally? Well, it, at that ceremony, um, I have done naturalization ceremonies, um, which is very moving. Um, remember, I'm the grandson of two illiterate Italian immigrants. Uh, one of them was naturalized. Uh, the other died before he could be. Um, they came here maybe with the clothes on their back and uh, nothing in their pockets. And uh, their grandson is a judge. So that's remarkable. So that's what I'll be thinking about uh, that day. You certainly set a high bar on what the 4th of July means. The fact that you've sworn in new citizens, you know, it's, I, I took my oath to uphold and defend the Constitution when I got sworn in, and that meant a lot. Uh, but you actually do help people in, in, in upholding you know, the third branch. And it's just, I mean, it's amazing. It's utterly amazing. Uh, now, when we think about the fourth, it's the Declaration of Independence. We also use the word freedom. And I have my definition of what those mean and how they're related. But do you see these two concepts that help define us as being two separate concepts or are they connected in your view? I think they're connected in our view. I mean, I think certainly the founders, you know, constant theme was liberty, not license. The idea being that in a free society, there is a respect and acknowledgement of each person as a human being and of the inalienable rights that person has. And freedom exists to protect those inalienable rights from invasion by, by the government. And that is absolutely crucial to at least my understanding of what they had in mind when they did it. In other words, the, 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 fundamental, the fundamental thought that Jefferson was con conveying was a principle of enlightenment philosophy, that the source of these rights were not in the state. They were inherent in a human being, qua human being, and therefore when those people 
came together to form a government, or in that case, to break away and form a new government. They took as the fundamental premise, they were free inalienably by rights conveyed to them by a creator. And the government they were creating could not invade those rights because the rights did not come from that government. It came from another source. Well, you've mentioned now a couple of our founding fathers. Josh has mentioned a few as well. I have to ask you, do you have a personal favorite founding father um, or a couple of them that stick out in your mind and why? Well, uh, you know, I read extensively about Jefferson um, and uh, he fascinates me, uh, but he fascinates me f for several uh, reasons. Um, First of all, I don't know if many Americans uh, know this, but he was a remarkably good lawyer. I mean, his notes on Virginia, and I think I have read his, uh, his code with reference to Virginia law. He was, a, he's a, he was a gifted lawyer. I get a kick because if you, you may find it somewhere, but after he did the first draft of the declaration and circulated it, he knew what the lawyers would do to it that they would run all over it, putting ifs and buts and semicolons. But he hoped at least some of it would be preserved. So he was a good enough lawyer to know how, left to their own devices, good lawyers can always wreck beautiful prose. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think the interesting thing about all of, of, of them, uh, I mean, this book about Hamilton is very interesting. And although I'm early on in it, the, the conflict with Jefferson is inevitable because their perceptions of, of how the country should go were so radically different. Um, Franklin uh, amuses me as well. Um, in another book I read by Herring Call From Colony to Superpower, um, the notion of the United States as a, as a nation that could take its place uh, with France and Spain and others, and the negotiations he did. I don't know if anybody in human history was put in the position he, he was. A ragtag group of colonies sent him to Paris to negotiate with the greatest powers, and he somehow did it. That's absolutely stunning. Um, and selfishly, one of the signatories to the fourth of, uh, to the Declaration of Independence was Charles Carroll of Carrollton. Um, his cousin was John Carroll, who was the first archbishop in America. And uh, among other things, he founded a university which a couple of centuries later made a terrible mistake. It gave me a degree. Um, so the Carrolls have always fascinated me because I visited the Carroll uh, homestead in Ireland from which they were expelled because of their Catholicism. And Carroll, I think, lived as long as, uh, you yeah, know, he was the oldest uh, to die of all the signatories. And you actually can go up to Annapolis and sail down Carroll Creek, which runs into the, uh, the, uh, runs into the Severn and then, of course, into the bay. But the Carroll family strikes, they're not as glamorized as the others, but they took tremendous risks in what they were doing. And um, Carroll had a profound influence, I think, on the American notions of religious freedom, which were carried forward by his example. His prayer for civil authority, which was prayed by Washington, is remarkable in how it looked towards this country and the freedoms it would be achieved. So I think everyone who signed that declaration brought something to it. And the uh, the, the so-called minor stories are nearly as important as the major stories when we realize the, the chance they took and the sacrifices they made. Yeah. When John Adams met with the British to negotiate, you know, the king was willing to pardon everybody but him. Yeah. 
uh, it just uh, Americans don't fully comprehend what was risked that mm-hmm. when they voted on July 2nd, you know, the British army marching towards Philadelphia was larger than the population of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You know, victory was not guaranteed. And there were still many years of war left to be fought. I mean, it is utterly heroic. And it's tough to comprehend. I mean, it's not even a black and white war because it's it's paintings and it's history books. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it, it's the words of of humans and I mean, they weren't superhuman, but they heroic. I mean, they were people with hopes, dreams and suffered great loss. And I, I was reading the declaration before recording this and, you know, and it's haunting how powerful it is. And especially when you get past, you know, the first two paragraphs into uh, the indictment against the king, you know, submitted to a candid world. I mean, just the command of language they had. Uh, Powerful. Well, with that, Your Honor, uh, I saw the announcement of your upcoming retirement. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have been a force for good on the bench. Uh, There are many wonderful opinions that I've read. When when I started eDiscovery, uh, you were one of the judges I was directed to learn about and read opinions by. So uh, from Meeks and, uh, and all the Kovat opinions and everything else. And you've, uh, there are many other cases that I know are still pending, so I will not mention, but you've, you've, yeah. done, you've been a force for good. Well, thank and, you very much. And so thank you for what you've done. Uh, a true Renaissance man. Well, thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. You will be missed, but we certainly appreciate everything you have yeah, well, done. Yeah, I'm going to retire, not die. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Unless you know they something I don't. They do not bury you. you. <laughs> I, you know, as Mark Twain once put it, you know, reports of my demise are premature. I mean, you, know. <laughs> you will not be swearing people in. You might be a special master at some point, or I can. I, I have no idea, but uh, yeah. Well, it's 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 exciting. Um, you know, as I, I said, and to everyone who's asked me about this, I think all institutions, maybe the declaration is a magnificent example of it. All institutions have to refresh themselves at times uh-huh. with new people, new perspectives and new ways of looking at things. And that's particularly true of courts. Um, I was lucky enough to be of a generation that really had to learn an immense amount of technology on the run. Um, and uh, I hope we're equal to the task, but now there's a generation behind me that will have a whole new set of challenges. I, I, was part of the presentation of the, an award to Jason Barron uh, last week and got talking about big data and analytics and all of this. This again is a whole new world that a whole new group of judges are going to have to conquer. So, you know, fortunately the tradition continues. Nothing will stop it. Nope. And the country will endure, but you know, from swearing in citizens to upholding different amendments, uh, thank you for, your service on the bench and I look whether you're a professor or going to go a sail. Blogger. I think yes. you should start blogging your honor. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there, there is actually a, somebody counted them once. There are nine judges in America who blog I don't oh. know. and uh, I'm not one of them. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> yeah. If you want to do a guest post, let us know. So. All right. I will. <laughs> 
Yeah, it doesn't need to be legal. Are you into uh, sci-fi? We can talk Star Trek or Star Wars anytime, <laughs> Your Honor. <laughs> you are a sailor, so we could talk America's Cup litigation <laughs> at some point. So, yeah. well, with that, uh, I want to wish everyone a happy 4th of July. And, Your Honor, I know your time is valuable, and thank you for uh, taking the time to discuss Independence Day with us. My pleasure. Happy, happy July 4th. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you.